Thank you for tuning in to the Restoration Podcast with James, Evan, and Dave, where we restore yesterday's tools for the craftsmen of today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. How's everybody doing? Good. Doing well. How are you? Fantastic. Fantastic. So this podcast, episode four, we're going to be discussing moving heavy things. We actually just had a very exciting experience moving heavy things um in in uh wilmington delaware recently um james you want to jump into that one yeah so we alluded to it last episode and i'm happy to report that it went well so there will be no uh well there'll be plenty of jiving during this episode but i won't be at fault for destroying a piece of history but yeah we all met up first time we actually all met in person even though we've been talking for a while, all met up in Wilmington, Delaware, and went to a pattern shop that had a 1916 Sydney Universal Woodworker. Um, For those of you that may be listening to this for the first time, that is kind of my my thing. These combination tools, big, massive cast iron tools, band saws, table saws, joiners, and this one was extremely special. It was a a white whale in, in my world had a shaper and also a boring machine that had a hollow chisel mortar attachment to it. And uh, of all things, it was in near mint condition for being 104 years old. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is the kind of thing that you you don't let get away. When you see one like this, you got to go after it. So be sure to check the Instagram at the Restoration Podcast to see pictures of this machine. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, not pictures, but we also have a full-length, feature-length video of the disassembly, and there's video of the machine running. Um, It was absolutely amazing to see this thing going, being such an old uh, piece of history that we are now able to enjoy, and and James is going to have running in his shop, which is just so cool. Yeah, it's extremely special, and it's really nice that, I mean, of all things, this community, really, just my relationship with Dave and Evan is the only reason I found it. It was posted on Facebook Marketplace, and for one reason or another, being all the way up in New York, Delaware is not part of my 200-mile maximum radius. So every time I go searching for parts, on, it wasn't on eBay, wasn't on Craigslist, it was on Facebook, and it was excluded from me searching for it. Uh, and it was pretty amazing once I uh, committed to going and getting it, how many people had said that they've seen it online and commented that they were happy that someone was going to go pick it up. But, I mean, you guys can attest every bolt we broke uh, was so smooth. Well, uh, we didn't break any bolts. They came free. <laughs> okay. We didn't break anything. Sure. They all came yeah. out really nice. Yeah. So, I meant, yeah, shortness of term there, breaking. They, they indoors. Oh, I'm sorry. This thing had been indoors since it was bought new. I mean, like. In a nice uh, heated shop that was clearly high traffic. I mean, the guy was in there all the time um, making patterns for all kinds of different industry. And including, which I thought was really cool, they made the hook or the hooks for aircraft carriers that actually grabs the, um, I guess, some involved somehow in grabbing the airplane and, pull, and holding it down. Yeah. Um, so- was the one that was kept there. Yeah, so for people that aren't uh, deep in the woodworking world, a pattern shop is uh, really the place to go to make 
the three-dimensional object that you make a sand or um, investment casting from. And so you have to get extremely detailed. You're holding a lot of smooth radiuses, curvatures, and dimensions so that ultimately you can take that form, make a cast, and then pour it into um, steel or something else. Uh, so yeah, the, the anchor supports to um, aircraft carrier God, 100 years ago, 80 years ago, he wasn't too sure, but um, that was his kind of claim to fame for this machine and this guy's shop. But yeah, uh, it's cool. He had, sto uh, he had stories that the guy had the shop busy. I mean, four or five guys working around the tool at the same time, which was really how it was uh, designed and sold, was keep everybody efficient. And uh, every clutch we moved, pieces, the, the pulleys moved, the belts were in decent shape. I'll probably you know, make some new belts, but I really don't have to do much besides some degreaser and clean enough 100-year-old sawdust layers, but it's ready to rock and roll. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the, the point of this, you know, the, the episode, episode four, Moving Heavy Things, this fits right in because this machine weighs, what was it, James, approximately 3,500 pounds, I think, total? Yeah, uh, that was the, the catalog literature I found said around 3,500 Shipping weight was closer to 4,000. Um, so with all the loose pieces, blades, and extra stuff we picked up, it was probably yeah easily over 3,500 pounds of material. Yeah. But luck, lucky for us, and this is what I was very concerned with, was uh, what, if anything, was going to be able to come apart. Because the thing was six feet wide, eight feet long, and with a bandsaw attached, over uh, almost seven feet tall. So... Uh, just the logistics of moving that at 3,500 pounds, I called around to a lot of uh, sh places that um, pick up and ship, and their estimates were about 1,000, 1,100 bucks. Now, was that just to pick it up and move it, or was that to uninstall it and get it on their vehicle and move it to your house? They, they said that they would be able to throw in things like picking it up, putting it on their truck, and offloading it. So there's a... Right. There's a benefit to be had there, especially when you're talking ridiculously high weight. Yeah, but, so, I mean, it can be done. There are companies that, that will do these things for you, you know, t take apart, pack, and move machines. But, you know, there is a a, a nice cost associated with that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes you're willing to pay that because it's something that you really, really want to have. And other times you're like, ah, I don't think I want to pay $1,000 for them to pick this up. Um, but luckily, you know, we're all in the... I mean, James did have to drive, what was it, almost six hours to get down to us. Right. Yeah. Um, but we I, were in the in the area where it wasn't out of the realm of possibility for everybody to meet up and take care of this, which is what ended up happening. And it was it was a really good time. And, and I, I was glad I was there because I got to learn some things. That's the first large piece of machinery that I've ever moved. And uh, I'll definitely, you know, keep those experiences with me for when I get my own equipment and I need to move things because it's, it's very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say tip number one of today's podcast is have friends that are willing to help because yeah. I, I can attest to moving heavy things by myself. It doesn't often go well. Yeah. Uh, I recently yep. just moved a, uh, uh, a paper chopper and a printing press by myself and it was absolutely terrible. Uh, everything that went could have gone wrong went wrong. If I had a few more extra hands, it would have been a totally different story, I think. But what was what was the end result, Dave? 
Well, the end result was, so I wound up bringing a engine hoist out to pick this printing press up off the ground and trying to, to maneuver this thing alone in the air, dangling off of a, off of an engine, engine hoist, the whole apparatus tipped over and I wound up bending a, a main shaft that drives the, the printing press. So, you know, fortunately I have a friend with a monster lathe that's going to help me get this thing straight, but with a little bit of prior preparation and some, <clears throat> some ready hands to get that job done, it would have gone a lot better. I wouldn't have had to go through the extra effort, but yeah, yeah. you know how we, we, we never want to see, you know, a machine get damaged or, or bent, but you know, and when it comes down to it, it was just a shaft, you know, it's no big deal. It can be remade. It could be straightened. Um, but it, you know, it could have been a lot worse. You know, you don't want to put yourself into a situation where you, you put, you put your life in, in harm's way. Um, where, you know, if you do the wrong thing, this machine falls and, can hurt you it can hurt somebody else um so you need to come prepared and things do happen you know accidents do happen it's it's no big deal um you just got to make sure you learn from them and then next time you you know what not to do and it's 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 uh it's a big help you know those learning experiences yeah so dave you showed up with that with a plan and some equipment to do it yeah you, you kind of pushed the limitations of what you had and the, the help you didn't have and it, it cost you but Yep. But I, that lesson paid off, you know, to my benefit because boy, were we sensitive to that base and all of the pulleys and shafts involved. Absolutely. <laughs> Although it was pretty cool to see a engine crane in the pretzel, almost. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. The process destroy an engine crane and had to go run out to Harbor Freight to get a beefier one. I, I was unprepared for the job, but you know what? Like we talked about on this podcast before, you learn so much from your mistakes. You should embrace them. Try and be careful. Um, but this is one of those situations where having a crew and having the right equipment makes all the difference. And I think Evan Evan said it best. Now, Evan's got to give his quote about uh, restorers and um, and, uh, and and machine type guys tend to be solitary creatures. And do you remember your quote? From the day? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We just kind of. Uh, I can't remember the exact. I know what you're talking about. I can't remember yeah. the exact words. He says, he says, he says, uh, restoration type guys are tend to be solitary creatures, and it pays to have friends who don't think you're totally weird and are willing to go into crusty buildings with you. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, you know, rusty gold, and it's tough to find people like that. But through the internet, it is possible. Yeah, you have those friends where you can go a month or two without talking to them and be like, hey. I found this in a barn. You want to you want to get together and take care of this? And they'll be like, sure, I'm in my truck. I'm coming. I'm doing it right now. So that that's the kind of friends you have to have. And I, I, I know I have that in, in James and Dave. I mean, James is a little far away, but I'm sure if I found something awesome, he would be there in a heartbeat, you know? Yeah, man. For sure. Uh, but, yeah, the to cycle around, uh, I, I was going to say, even if you have a plan, you got to react to a lot oh, of sure, situations. Sure. If, if my plan was to just pay someone to come and show up with a truck and a forklift, the site conditions uh, would not have lent to that because, as we found out, that thing had to come apart in pieces. There was no dimension out of that guy's building that would have let that come out in one piece. Um, would have had to take the whole wall out or something yeah, drastic. I was on the phone with the gentleman for... Uh, couple calls just to ensure that i was looking at the right literature online reflecting exactly what he had and he had high confidence 
that um, the preceding owner really took care of it and we shouldn't have too much of an issue taking it apart. And that confidence led me to getting a U-Haul of all options, uh, committing us to having to take this thing apart uh, come hell or high water. And thank goodness the big pieces uh, move free of each other. Um, but even once you got those pieces, uh, you know, separated, it was quite a bit of, of thinking through the process of how we wanted to load the truck so that I could ultimately unload the truck. Yeah. Uh, and that, that was uh, quite a bit. We moved a lot into the truck before the final base. And that final base moving out of the loading dock could have ended up going through the loading dock floor. It was a wooden loading dock. And uh, we just... Yeah, you'll see that in the video. If you watch the video, you'll see the part, exact moment when we thought it was going to go through the floor. And it was pretty scary. And we had to back it up real quick. And we eventually figured it out. But, you know, unforeseen problems like that, you know, you have a plan. Just like we're talking about, you have a plan. You think you know what's going to happen. And you try to plan for it, but then something unexpected pops up and you're like, hey, I didn't realize that this floor might have given out. You know, what do we have to do to fix that? So we, we problem solved and we came up with some solutions, ended up basically doubling or tripling the thickness of the floor in order to support the weight as we went out onto this loading dock to get it onto the U-Haul. Because, you know, that, that base casting was probably at least 1,500 pounds, if I had to guess. We didn't actually weigh it, but it was probably 1,500 pounds. Yeah, it was the lion's share. The only thing uh, next in line was we kept the entire joiner top together in one piece. And I can tell you, I, I bought a 1,000-pound uh, furniture dolly, uh, one of those the flat ones with the four, four caster wheels, and my buddy JD and I got that on. It, it fit down the ramp off the Ute Hall, but it really stressed that dolly out. That thing was right. creaking and screaming that uh, – I knew I was not even going to be able to use that as part of the equation for unloading the base. Yeah. yeah. We, we went into it with a plan. Dave, didn't you have a similar thing? You, you found the printing press out in the back shed, but it was surrounded by gravel and mud. Didn't you have to like, like build a road to get it out almost? We, we kind of did. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, like getting the site prepped for the move was shovels and brooms. It was on a concrete pad, but I had to, the building's roof had collapsed um and was there was debris all over the floor so in order to get my caster wheels on my engine my engine hoist to roll I had to clear a path from there and then once we got it to the lip of the um like the the main big door to this build outbuilding my initial plan was just to pick it up and stick it in the back of my truck but unfortunately there was the ground was soft and i wasn't able to get it get my truck clo that close without, you know, concerned about it getting stuck. And there was low clearances and blah, 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 blah. But we wound up dragging it across a mud, like a field of mud to get it to a, a nice flat piece of uh, asphalt um, road. And then once we got it onto there, we were able to pick it up and stick it in the back of my truck. But it was a total, it was a total disaster. And I think just to your point before, your plan is not, the plan that you have is not going to work. It's not going to go exactly as you imagine and having multiple plans is really, you have to have, be, at least be ready to be adaptable to a plan A, B, C, and D. I mean, so for yeah, instance, for like sure. we were talking about, when we pulled that thing to the loading dock and it almost went through the floor, our plan completely went out the window. And we had to figure out what our next step was going to be. And we, and we developed three or four different options. One option was to make thicknesses of the floor. We've used a bunch of plywood to build that up to spread the loads. Option two was then to, the guy had a tractor. We were going to try and pick it up with a tractor and drag it out. 
Option three was maybe grab onto this thing with chain and pull it out with the U-Haul. I mean, we had a whole bunch of different plans together and we were able to implement what the best, the best easiest plan was, was eventually we wound up finding out that it was just to, just to put make multiple thicknesses and we were able to execute that, but we had a bunch of different backup plans. So another tip, have something. Yeah, sure. To add, you know, to add on to our, our main theme, just like Dave said, you know, have a plan. But number two, be flexible and be ready to change that plan when the need arises and, and make sure that you're you're adaptable, just like like Dave said. That's very important. And and there was a, a certain readiness I had going into it with the information I had that I would have had to have driven an empty U-Haul home because something I couldn't have accounted for would have led to. I mean, maybe we would have brought some of the smaller pieces, but I may have had to turn that into a double double drive and figure it out new logistics just to figure it out because I had to get it back, get the truck back, uh, for the agreement. Um, so if it didn't work out, there was a real possibility that I needed to be prepared to walk away from some of it and, or, you know, maybe not get it all the way up. It, it turned out to be quite the perfect storm, literally and figuratively of, of a, a classic story because it, it snowed that whole drive home. I was white knuckled uh trying to make sure i could find the lines on the road up in upstate new york we got a couple inches of snow that that night it was pretty dicey uh, and my plan to unload it uh involved a tractor a neighbor's tractor uh and when i went and got a hold of him he tried to fire his tractor up and his tractor was gummed up so i had an adventure and uh meeting a few more neighbors and asking uh, for some help and ultimately another neighbor had tractors with forks on it uh did i tell you guys this Oh, no, no. What was that? Oh, man. So talk about good old boy engineering. Uh, guy has forks that are clamped onto the bucket of his tractor. And I got I, JD and I were able to shove this thing to the very edge of the U-Haul. Um, so he was able to take the bucket with the forks, come under the upper part of the, the base uh, above all the pulley wheels and um, shafts. And he slid the forks through and they went through beautifully nice uh but when he it was a, it was so far forward on his tractor that when he picked it up the whole u-haul moved up a bit and as soon as he got maybe a half inch of clearance his back tire started to go up in the air oh no so he, he was just kind of just kind of starting to fold himself so uh luck have it he had his two sons there and the solution was his two sons and i grab on to the driver's seat and put a foot onto the hitch and just hang ourselves off with some counterweight, which brought the back tires down. And, and we had an angle that all he had to do was back up three feet and make one 90 degree turn. And the way we set it down was literally each one of us took a step off the tractor and the tractor just rolled forward wow. and set it down right exactly where I wanted. That is, that is terrifying. See, it was that, so nice. That's, <laughs> that's the plan coming together, though. I mean, you know, it might be a little scary at times, but, you know, that's the plan coming together. You you persevere, you get it done. Yeah. Provides sure. adapt and overcome. <laughs> I would have shed some rusty tears if it li- if it broke on the oh, floor no. of my of my garage I'd be oh, oh gosh there was no other options at that time i was the only thing driving around in the snow yeah. that day was that guy's tractor so well you know back when i mean kind of rewinding a little bit back when we were in the uh, in the pattern maker shop still and we were trying to figure out what to do with this base the base is actually very 
uh, nicely made and it was in two pieces, but we would have had to, you know, so plan, I guess, E would have been we had to split the main casting in two. It was bolted together and we'd have to remove all the pulleys, all the shafts. And then poor James would have to go up there when he gets home to New York and try to piece all these shafts together that are, you know, they're pretty intricate. I mean, they're more than just shafts and pulleys. They were like clutches and and springs and tensioners Very complicated yeah. and it was it was a, a pretty serious system you know for being what 100 100 plus years old yeah it, it was something that had worked that long i would have really hate after 100 years of everything being aligned and tuned for me i have to go learn that on the fly and really operate that those shafts and stuff out of alignment and find everything true again um yeah that would have been really late. so gentlemen i guess you know I'm still the baby when it comes to this because, James, you've moved – well, okay, we've all been there, but you've moved that machine. Dave, you've moved to Bridgeport before, which, yep. you know, is a pretty big piece of machinery by itself. Indeed. I've never had that experience with mo moving my own piece of machinery. I mean, I've, I've helped you guys move that machine, but, you know, moving my own machine, that's that's something that I, I look forward to and, you know, kind of having that experience. And, you know, I have this um, – stuff in my mind about what to think about and what to plan for i think that's going to go a whole lot easier when i when i do come to that point i uh, i have a uh, spare universal woodworker if you want one yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's talk uh let's talk tools i mean moving stuff there's a lot we just we covered a lot of theory and stuff like that and and about like mindset and i think that's all really important but when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of it what what do we actually need to get this done what what made the day what made our mission so much easier when we moved this machine well that was that was definitely the engine crane if without that we would yeah. not we would not have been in as good of a position as we were now all the small all come pieces, down in small pieces and it would have been all our backs to move it yeah it was yeah, all we would have been hurt but it was all movable with three or four bodies but man we would have been a a, a, a world of hurt now, thankfully, yeah, oh no, good, please. Thankfully, it, it did all come apart. It's not like, you know, some of the newer machines you can find, you know, big pieces of equipment where they have, they're all tied together. They all have some specialty fasteners, and you might not have the correct tools to, to take those apart and, and make it movable or reasonable to move. This one, it, it was amazing. Every single thing came off beautifully. The nuts and bolts came off. All the pieces were relatively easily like the individual machines weren't that hard to move themselves um right. so having that that modularity or yeah i guess that's that'd be a word there um <laughs> you know a modular machine where you can take it apart and move each piece individually that that was very very helpful because like james said in the beginning you know moving that whole machine is we could have moved it but getting it out of the building would have been impossible yeah yeah and I would say, so that's another tip right there is to, if you're able to, break it down into small pieces. Why move the whole thing as a unit if, if it's going to sure. cause yep. you trouble? Well, you can break it down into small pieces. Now, on, on that same, on the other side of the coin there, we wound up breaking it down into major components as opposed to completely disassembling everything. Yeah. When that made our job a lot easier. Now, the Universal Woodworker is a huge, pro it's going to be a huge project just to clean. But if, if we had if he if James had to figure out what was what down to nuts and bolts and shafts and pulleys and every single piece, 
he would be hurting pretty bad, I would imagine, once it came time to put everything back together. So keeping everything in their individual components, kind of field stripping it, so to speak, is really the move you're able to. Yeah, I mean, maybe this is a, a topic for another time, but having an organizing system, like when you know there's going to be a hundred or more parts, you know, 500 parts, you need to have some kind of system in place to where you can bag and tag everything and make sure you know, hey, this bag of bolts goes with X part on this machine. So you know where it goes back. So you're not digging through everything. I'm looking for this one bolt or screw and I have no idea where it is. Yeah. Taking taking pictures uh, before things come apart. Uh, we actually broke it down into a lot more loose pieces than I thought, but there were some decisions we made that it was for the benefit of those parts that if something did tip over in shipping, those would have lost the equation relative to where the weight was uh, getting forced to in a crash. So a lot of the sliding components, uh, all the tables came off the main uh, supports and structures. Um, and we were able to, like, like Evan said, we use boxes, but kind of separate things into major tools. And that helped me when I got home because I have it now laid out in uh, relatively organized piles. Uh, a lot of the, the fasteners look similar, but I, I yeah. know that I have a, a collection of table saw fasteners and I only have maybe 10 bolts there that I got to figure out and they're not going to get mixed up with all the bolts that took the, the bandsaw apart. Right. So, so, James, when I forgot to ask you, when you did get home um, to your house in New York, did when you opened up the U-Haul, did anything move? Did anything shift around or no. was it relatively in, in place? So, um, the nothing moved around everything was so heavy we did use some really big nice ratchet straps to keep the main base down and the um, tables and bandsaw structure from flying around but um the joiner was so heavy we pushed that all the way up to the the cab and didn't strap that down that didn't move an inch um the only thing that that moved was when we took the bandsaw apart we took both wheels uh bandsaw wheels and put them right on top of the square frame and the lower bandsaw wheel has the shaft to the drive pulley for the bandsaw and that has a um a drive pulley and a free spin pulley depending on where you, you move the clutch that's what the belt's engaging um it, the you know to the to my luck the tool was in such good condition and everything was so well greased that when we stacked it that way the uh, pulleys just slid straight down right off the shaft and parked themselves right in the middle oh um, wow so it didn't, nothing hit all the, the, the pulley surfaces looked fine, but yeah, it just, you know, worked itself out by, by vibration and just slid off the shaft cause it was pointed straight down and, you know, put just enough mileage and bumps that did it, but it, we didn't think about it, but that could have been, you know, secured a little bit better. Oh, that's a testament. That's cool. It's a testament to the maintenance that, that it was given over the years. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, think one of the, oh, go ahead, Dave. Oh, please. After you, my kind sir. Okay. I'm actually well, gonna, I'm going to jump in. We we kind of hit on something and walked away from it. What what do you need to be prepared to move things? I'm just happy we had a, a pile of wood uh, at our yeah, blocking so, so that we could block and put dunnage underneath heavy things so that we could get the engine crane in place. That was a the engine crane was such a benefit, but you got to think its feet need to slide around or under what you're moving in the first yeah. place. We did a bunch of jacking maneuvers just to get the thing up tall enough that the engine hoist 
legs would clear the shafts and pulleys that were down low and that was able that in turn gave us the ability to put the crane right over the center of gravity and thus put all the straps on um but just having extra pieces of wood or maybe uh i mean we even used some longer uh dunnage to put into the leg of the engine crane because we needed to turn the whole thing while it was suspended and that wasn't going to go just on us pushing a suspended item we needed to turn the base with under load so having just free material to manipulate and push and pull and stack was, you know, was nice to have. I threw yeah. it in the truck, and uh, luckily the, the guy at the site had some wood too, so we were able to kind of play with what we had. Yeah, Dave, sorry about that. It completely slipped my mind. We were talking tools about, you know, what we what we brought. Right. You know, we, talk, we talked about the engine crane. Well, I literally just brought – I brought two adjustable wrenches and a set of pullers. That's all I brought. I mean, it, it's not – you know, you don't have to bring your entire arsenal. I mean, you obviously have to think about what you're going to be taking apart and the potential tools that you need. But when I thought about this machine, I was like, hmm, I, I really only need to undo some bolts and I want to get the bandsaw wheels off, which are probably going to require a puller. And when I when I took that top bandsaw wheel off and it just slid off like butter, I was like, it's going to be good. So you don't need to bring every single tool in the book to tackle a job like this. I mean, I know, uh, James and Dave brought some other, um, specialized, uh, tools or things that they thought would be important. But, um, yeah, I only, I only bought adjustable wrenches and a set of pullers. What, what guy, what did you guys bring? Yeah. Well, because I've been dealing with a universal woodworker that's in such a rusty seized condition. I, I was the opposite. I prepared for the worst. I brought, I brought heat I brought uh, half a jug of WD-40 to spray things down. I was ready for the long haul of of uh, mechanical advantage and uh, thermodynamics and chemistry to try and figure this out. And well, you know what? Oh God, uh, Jimmy has a poster, right? Uh, better have it, and not need it, than need it, and not have it. True, true. This so is true. I, I was very happy to have a few things few peace of mind driving five, six hours away, and I'd rather it not get used than go, man, I don't need to go buy a second uh, second torch just because I'm now in a pinch and wasting time driving to a box store because I wasn't, I wasn't being, uh, you know, conservative. So, but you're right. Depending on what you know you're getting into, you don't need to have the entire, entire uh, arsenal of tools at your disposal. Yeah. I think it's it's good to have kind of like an away game, but you know, bag or box just with a couple things that you think you might need for for moving stuff. I, I brought a couple big wrenches. I think uh, similarly, I brought a map gas torch that I thought might be needed to loosen up some stuck bolts. Um, in terms of the actual lifting stuff that I brought, I brought some rated straps, which are really handy. That we actually those, those were excellent. Yep. Yeah, they were clutch. Um, having and some also, I think like another really big tool or great tool for this stuff is chain. So I think that's kind of underrated. Yeah, um, that's that saved us because uh, the the hook that's on the end of my engine crane, it's great, you know, for hooking maybe a couple straps together. But we had um, four straps coming together at one point, and that hook just couldn't possibly hold that uh, number of straps. So we had to strap the straps together with chain, and then we hooked the chain onto the hook, which which saved us there because we uh, we would have had to problem solve again and come up with another solution for that because you can't put that many straps on that hook yeah the one thing i didn't bring 
that made all the world the difference of getting this out of the U-Haul was actually a three-ton uh, car floor jack, one of the the rolling ones. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it made it it made it so nice to be able to push on one end. Uh, I we lifted the whole base up. We were able to find the right point on the frame where you could uh, lift it up and pivot it on one foot, and we kind of just wobbled it from foot to foot and that way i was able to get it from the middle of the truck all the way to the very back just with one uh one jack point and because it's on its own casters we were able to push on that and push on the machine um and that was really nice because i could use that to manipulate in it and get uh, the dollies underneath it uh underneath each piece like the motor we were able to press up on the motor side and tip it and that's all i needed to get one piece of wood under and i pushed from the other side and that's what got the dolly on um so that's something i didn't bring and man that that was like having a third person with us uh that wasn't going anywhere which was really really nice so if you got a car floor jack and you're moving something big that would have been that would have been really nice to have but we we just didn't have so yeah one of my one of my big ones uh Recently moving these <clears throat> printing machines, I wound up using a, a chain come along. Uh, it was rated to two tons. If you haven't seen one of those before, they're fantastic. It just gives you a ton of pulling force. I wound up, I had to pull this machine like six feet to get it to the front of the, like the garage door of this place so that I could pull it out to where I, it, I finally loaded it. But to get that six feet, I I wound up strapping um, some straps onto my truck and using that as an anchor and then just kind of ratcheting back and forth on this chain come along to pull this thing out. It, w- it worked like a dream. Nice. And yeah, similarly, another great tool is a, is a, um, a chain ball or like a, a chain hoist. Yep. Anything like you can use to pull and get a lot of mechanical advantage on your, in your side of the equation is, is going to really make a big difference for you. Yeah. So if you're, if you're listening at home, if you can't tell, you know, this was, this was an exciting day for us. You know, we had a, had a lot of triumphs, you know, first, you know, meeting everybody for the first time. It was great to see each other, you know, get to know each other even more than we already do. And, you know, moving this awesome machine and just, and, you know, we got there seeing it run. It was amazing that it ran. It was still in operable condition. The previous owners had taken immaculate care of it. And, you know, I'm sure we could, we could, you know, revel in the stories of, of this day for a long time, you know. <laughs> And I'm sure if you, if you talk to us next week, we'll tell you that it weighed 7,000 pounds. And then next month it weighed 10,000. You know, it's a bigger fish, bigger fish story. But right. let's um, let's pass it around real quick. I know we talked about some really good points about moving heavy things. So let's kind of sum it up for the listeners so that they can uh, have some takeaways for today. So, James, you want to start us out with a, a takeaway for today? Oh, man, just uh, just one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, had to pick your favorite. Pick your favorite. Uh, I'll pick two. Okay, one philosophical ahead. and one physical. The, the first thing is you got to be creative with what you're given. Uh, there's only so much pre- prepared, uh, only so prepared you can be. Uh, and so being com- pre- being creative with the tools that you have uh, and being allowing those ideas to kind of mature and thinking through them, we were able to come up with some interesting solutions uh and yeah uh honestly if you can have somebody else there with you during uh moving of heavy things it is not only nice to bounce ideas off of somebody but man from a safety perspective there's another person watching your back you can watch their back and uh 
if, yep. if nothing else, if something goes wrong, there's somebody there with you. And you're not stuck under a tool or, or reacting to something by yourself. Very true. What about, what about you, Dave? Yeah, go ahead, Dave. Uh, sure. I'll go, I'll go with the double, just the philosophical and physical. I, I like that. Um, no, seriously, I'm not making fun of you. <laughs> uh, no, but, uh, I think having, uh, having an attitude where giving up or, or failing is not even in your mind is crucial. Having positive attitude. I think there were definitely some times where things got hairy with this move, with the moving of this giant machine where it was like, man, like, I, I mean, obviously we're not going to give up. We've all come so far, but you know, you start running out of ideas and you start getting frustrated and you got to take that second, take a deep breath and figure out, just make a plan, you know, ignore all the problems that are in your, ignore all the, the stresses that you're dealing with, take a deep breath and focus and think about the tools at your disposal and try and think of something you haven't thought of before to get the job done. Uh, never give up. I mean, really, there's no sense in letting um, negativity corrupt your your mindset if, if you're able to. And then I think the physical thing I, I would say about this this physical move, um, come prepared. I think we, we had said that before. Uh, you know, Make sure you have all the equipment you need. Uh, a lot of this equipment can be sourced cheap at Harbor Freight for a single big move. I know, I know. Oh, he said it. He said it. He's in timeout. <laughs> Harbor Freight timeout. Triggered. <laughs> um, but um, no, seriously. I mean, you can if you can get yourself some decent equipment to get the job done. It will make your life so much easier. You're not going to break your back. You're not going to hurt yourself uh, and put yourself, you know, in the hospital with the right equipment. So be over prepared. Bring everything you think you could possibly need. And if you don't need it, don't use it. Yep, and I guess I'll round it out. Um, you know, it's a simple thing. We talked about it, but bringing bringing some uh, pieces of wood or other other items to uh, – you never know when you're going to prop an item up or when you need to um, have a support somewhere, you know, in case you need to set something down and you can't set it directly on the ground. So make sure you bring some, uh, bring some supports, you know, not only people support, but bring some pieces of wood or whatever you think is, is necessary in order to um, – accomplish the mission so that way if you have to stop you know it's okay to stop and, and take a step back and be like hey i need to rethink this i'm going to set this down for a little bit and i'm going to take a break and i'm going to think about it and make sure that i'm doing this the, the safest and the best way that i possibly can um so i think that that was one of the biggest things for me because that having that uh the dunnage that we could put underneath each one of those feet made it relatively simple to get that base going and it, it was it was a great thing to have so um, I think we all came up with some really, really good points. Um, for our listeners out there, make sure that you uh, tune into our Instagram at the Restoration Podcast on Instagram. And you can also contact us via our email at the Restoration Podcast at gmail.com. Um, so before we sign off here for episode four, does anybody have any last thoughts for the day? I'll start. I want to thank Dave and Evan. For giving up their week a putting this putting this into my life so that i had no other option besides having to go and acquire this tool uh, <laughs> absolutely and, i i wouldn't have missed it that was a great time you, i loved it at the risk of eternal shame and loss of friendship this was a, a must do uh but just the 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 friendship that we had there was great and also the ability that for you guys to come and support me for uh a whole day of just dealing with the unknown. It was really fun. And I really, really appreciate the help. Yes. Yeah. See, everyone out there in listener land, 
this is where this is how IOUs started. Oh just, my god! Just, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> yep. No, but it was it was, yes, it was a great indeed. it was a great day. I I wouldn't have missed it. I you know loved the camaraderie, loved hanging out with you guys, and and we accomplished something big. You know that wasn't an easy feat, and and we thought about it, and we did it, and it was it was a great day. So I, I was glad I was a part of it. It was an absolute riot. Yeah, I had such a blast coming out with you guys. I think it's cool. I, I would be neat to see more people take their internet friendships and make it into something real. Um, and, and this has definitely happened for us. Our shared passion for old machines kind of brought us together. And that's, I think that's a really special, very cool thing. Yeah. Yep. And thank are, you. Yeah. Go, go ahead, James. I was going to say, these are, these are special stories. So if, if you've got a, a awesome story of moving something crazy or unique, or uh, how you made all the stars align. We'd love to hear it. Yep, and absolutely. Since, and since we've been talking about this this day, go check out the video. It's a lot of fun. It's about five minutes long on the Parts and Restoration YouTube channel. <coughs> Shameless plug. Shameless um, plug. <laughs> but, but seriously, check it out. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I think you'll really enjoy it. Thank you for tuning in to the Restoration Podcast with James, Evan, and Dave where we restore yesterday's tools for the craftsmen of today. Bye! Bye! Bye. <laughs> and that is the end of all of our episodes. <laughs> Bye! Bye. on a universal woodworker I'm, I'm, never clicking, I'm never clicking a link from you guys again <laughs> this is the seven this is the 17th one i'm on my way well and, and every time i talk to you guys you go well we can't talk to you until you have four universal workers. yeah see <laughs> you're gonna need okay. a larger property dude your whole your whole property is gonna be is gonna be concrete slab with machines all over it oh my god